You are listening to the Enormo Cast. So what do you approach in your approach shoes? El Cap, the Diamond, the Traps? How about Supercrack Buttress or the Mushroom Boulder in Waco? And what about your mailbox, your job, the local coffee shop? Have you ever approached something scary, awe-inspiring, or heartbreaking in your approach shoes? And what is your actual approach like? Do you stomp, dance, or electric slide your approaches? Or do you walk in beauty like the night? of cloudless climbs and starry skies. Climbers do everything from wide cracks to wedding vows in their approach shoes. Not to mention hike, scramble, and lead those last few pitches in the dark. So why not get an approach shoe that can handle it all and look great doing it, like the TX4 from Sportiva. The mighty TX4 approach shoe sports a sticky sole, leather upper, bomber rand, and unbeatable build, as we'd expect from Sportiva. So whether you're bombing up some trail to paradise in the pre-dawn light or just kicking around town feeling the afterglow, why not approach everything with style in the TX4 from Sportiva? Check out the whole TX line at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. Would your neck hurt playing someone else's project? Does your partner get in way over his head even on the warm-ups? Does the phrase, I'll just do this move one more time, make your eyeballs spin? Then let Belay Specs fight for you. When my boyfriend started falling lower and lower on his project, Belay Specs saved my neck and got me a new boyfriend. Belayer neck pain, also known as BNP, can interfere with work, play, family, and snapping your head around at the gym to check out those abs. And you have rights, which are being crushed every time your partner yells take. So if your neck has been injured in an epic belay session... Go to belayspecs.com to see if you qualify for a pair of belay specs and to get what you deserve. Entry Normacast at checkout for a discount. Belay specs is not licensed to give legal advice to anyone. Results may vary by steepness. If belay specs cause you to trip, fall down, run into a door, nausea, dry mouth, you're probably too high to climb to begin with. All right, are we good? We done here? Does anybody want to get a beer? Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold so it out. I'll say, we really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Gluss. It is October 30th, 2019, about 10.15 here in Colorado. Are we still in daylight savings or does this daylight savings happen this weekend? When is the daylight saved? And what can I do with that saved daylight? Can I just bust it out sometime when we're about to get benighted? And I'm like, don't worry about it, bro. I got all this daylight saved right here. We got another six hours to climb. 
Anyway, we're coming into the dark time in a few days. The dark time. When the ice climbers awaken. I know they're already creeping around, but when they really shake it off and start getting after it out there, the nights are long and the ice is brittle. Anyway, on today's show, I have comp climber, sport climber, boulderer, young man, Sean Bailey. And I've had this one in the hopper for quite some time. I'm not sure why. I got it back when I talked to Allison Fest and Claire Burfind. So quite a few months ago, a bit of a comp climber smorgasbord up there at the Black Diamond headquarters in Salt Lake City. But of the four interviews I did on that trip, this was the one where I just wasn't quite sure what I had. And maybe that's why I haven't pulled it back up and started editing. But I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I don't think Sean knew who I was, what I was up to, but he ended up in a room with me uh, and we sat down and, you know, after a little while he warmed up. But I remember during the interview thinking that, man, I'm old and do I really know how to talk to this kid? And I don't know if I sort of slide into giving advice or, you know, kind of sounding confused maybe a little bit, but it is a classic, a pretty classic example of you know, someone reaching across a couple generations to talk to somebody and every once in a while sound a little bit fumbly. But at the same time, I don't think Sean had been uh, asked to talk this much about his motivations, about his attitudes towards climbing, towards comp climbing. And uh, after a little while, we started to open up and, and get into something deeper, which uh, was pretty cool. I hope it doesn't come across as like some old man and a kid, uh, but uh, maybe meeting of the mind somewhere in the middle. One interesting thing that came up, and it comes up early in the conversation, was Sean's ambivalence towards social media, which I thought was really interesting because there's sort of a, I think, a myth at this point that social media is this real strong realm of the young. But uh, I think, you know, some of those myths are starting to be shattered. And it's only nine years old, Instagram, for example. And some of these younger people, these kids are already kind of over it, kind of over this sharing thing. I'm kind of pleased about that, actually, because I think every day the whole milieu of social media starts to become a little bit more sinister, poking holes in the fabric of our society that uh, I think we're going to see a lot of fallout from. And of course, Facebook, I don't know. It's a necessary thing for the promotion of like this podcast. I do have some fun with social media, but I tell you, every once in a while, I just want to clear it all out and disappear. But of course, that's how I communicate with you guys a lot of times is at the Facebook page. So I'm not quite ready yet, but man, the news isn't good about social media. Anyway, with that said, I don't have much else to talk about today. So why don't we just get to an interview, an old guy interviewing a young guy. And let's hear from Sean Bailey. When you think about it, Is there another gear company so dedicated to outfitting climbers from head to toe as Black Diamond? They've got lightweight modern helmets and headlamps for your pointy head, high-performance apparel to wrap that sweet climber bod you've been cultivating, all the way down to their line of advanced climbing shoes for those tender piggies. They've got crash pads for the pad sniffers, the best protection money can buy for the trad dads, ice tools for the masochists. Pitons, haul bags, portal ledges, backpacks, draws, beaners, harnesses, tents, probes, skis, poles, and even the signature Enormacast rhinestone-studded unisex microfleece G-string. Well, no, that doesn't exist yet, despite me stuffing the suggestion box every chance I get. 
So next time you're shopping for, well, nearly anything a climber could want, honor the generations of weary Black Diamond engineers pouring over AutoCAD in their cubicles when they'd much rather be climbing. And go to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop to see the fruits of their dedicated labor. And remember, Black Diamond is a proud sponsor of the EnormaCast. So, you know, I have this running joke that I do like five minutes of research um, before I start talking to somebody. And that is sort of true because because I, a lot of times I want the conversation to be, you know, a little bit of a discovery where I'm actually learning about you as well. But in, in your case, the five minutes was actually three minutes too much um, <laughs> in terms of kind of what I found on the on the Internet about you. You're sort of a I mean, you're you've got these things that are. Um, really well known, but it was kind of a mystery. So is that something that you're working on or as a professional climber, or is it something that you like? Uh, I, I mean, I'd say a little bit of both. I think, I mean, as a career move, it's definitely something I should be working on. But, you know, as an individual, I, I kind of like it that way. Like, I've always kind of kept a smaller circle a lot of the time and, you know, kind of don't keep to myself, but keep to my circle. So, so spreading things out to, to a bunch of people is like always a little unnatural for me. Right. It's like almost a little old school, you, you know, as a, as a professional athlete, which you are now, it's kind of required, but there's, I've met, I've met plenty of climbers in particular that kind of push back on this idea and, ha- or at least have a, are a little bit ambivalent between the two images of like, well, I really have to produce this content versus like what my, my, inner feelings are about it um is that like i mean you just said that like you're gonna have to work on it is it gonna be a hard conflict for you i, I mean it's all it's already starting to be i think um i think there's like two ways that that are okay for me like that the one is you know creating content that feels like super authentic and, mm-hmm. and then I, i'm a little more accepting it accepting of it and then the, the other way is to like just really not care about what I put out and and to just be like so detached from it that, you know, I could say a load of bullshit and I know that I don't really believe in it, but it's, it's almost like irony or like a joke or something in in a sense. And so so I'm okay, like putting it out there, but definitely sometimes I'll post, post something on Instagram and it's just like, I don't know, words. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's something that you're not that old. I mean, you're 21, 22? 20, yeah, 22, 23 in May. Okay, so yeah. It's already May, though. So. When's your birthday? Damn, five days. All right. Yeah. Cool. I was. I thought you were going to be like, oh, it was yesterday. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be that surprising, man. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, we're here in this professional setting, so it, it's kind of uh, is what struck me when I was looking at, at again, your online presence. So. Tell me a little bit about, um, if we do a big question here, um, this is kind of a big cast question that we use to get into this stuff, is tell me a little bit about what kind of climber you are. And, and that can be a, a very logistical question. Well, I boulder, I do this. Or better is like, what kind of, what ways do you think about climbing and, and how does it fit into your life? Damn. Yeah, mm, big. That's... That's pretty heavy for like a second question. We'll go for sure. the. Uh, let's do it this way. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> well, well, let's do it. The, if, we, if we do it this way, just talk about the nuts and bolts. Okay. Indoors, outdoors, bouldering, sport climbing. What are we looking at? And and, and go back in your history a little bit. Back in the history, I, I grew up mostly in the gym, just because it was the most accessible for me. Lived in the city and 
it's easy to get to the gym, easy to train, easy to put the time in. But on the weekends, I'd either go compete or, you know, I'd try to get outside, outdoors. I'd go to Smith Rock a lot, I'd go to this local crag we have called Little Sai a lot. And, and that was kind of my intro into it. Nowadays, it's it's about 50-50 split. I'll be, you know, training for competitions and trying to compete as much as I can. And then on the flip side, um, you know, trying to put as much time into going outside and, you know, completing some other, like, outdoor goals. But, I mean, I just like climbing at the end of the day. Like, right. I think I could get into, like, any style for the most part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I just uh, was talking with one of your, your teammates here at Black Diamond, Allison Best, and sort of theorize that like it's going to be more and more rare the the really good comp climber that is splitting his or her time outside and uh is that ever a conflict for you in terms of your goals in one or the other um like you know taking away from from comp training to be outdoor climbing and vice versa for sure yeah especially world cup because it's such a long season and you need to prepare for so long um, just just to have the strength and the fitness to be successful and technically too it's like such a different style of climbing nowadays that it's like it's so far removed from the rock that you know you need to invest a lot of energy just into pra- practicing that aspect of it so it's hard to divvy my time up because I like to be in the outdoors as much as I can but you know I'm looking at at least like three months before the world cup season that I need to be like pretty focused on plastic and then you know, three months of the, the season already, it's like six months gone. So right. It's tough for sure. Yeah. Is it something that you got to do go outside or are you going to be able to manage to, uh, manage to stay focused in the gym and stay stoked? Do you think? I'm very like passion driven for the most part. Okay. So I try to like go with the flow. Like this season, I focused a little more on the outdoors, like even, even before the comps. And, you know, my competition performances probably hurt for it a little bit. But on the flip side, it was like at the time exactly what I wanted to be doing and what I was happiest doing. And I had a lot of outdoor success, too. So mm-hmm. it's just following like those waves, I think, for the most part, and just doing what you're psyched on. Right. I mean, because you have to be you have to be in a good mental space either way. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the outdoor experience feeds you in a way that's probably positive in the end for even for indoor climbing in terms of psych. Yeah, would you for say sure. that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always you know been one of those things that has been pretty core to my climbing experience ever since I was pretty young. So I've always tried to invest, but you know, I'm still kind of in that discovery process of figuring out how to invest as much energy as I want into the comps as well as climbing outside. So it, it's been a process. Like last year, I spent way too much time in the gym, and I got like totally neurotic about training and it was like you know maybe not like the healthiest mindset and then this year i've almost like gone the opposite direction where i've like spent so much time outside and like it's been awesome like sending projects like it's been cool but but definitely like for comp fitness it could it could be nice to have like (laughs) a few more hours in the gym (laughs) but it was it successful last year did you overtrain uh, yeah, no, I totally overtrained. Like it, it was, it was good and it was bad. You know, like I had a decent Boulder season. I ended up having like one good result. Um, and then my lead season was kind of like I think it was my worst one yet. But okay. it, it happens, for right, sure. right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, so you're trying to uh, you're maybe try a new mix this year. Definitely, <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. So going back to this uh, climbing in the gym thing in the Northwest, uh, um, what kind of kid were you 
I mean, what was it that, uh, you know, maybe made that spark happen in terms of the gym? Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. I, I just enjoyed the movement. I enjoyed the process of learning. You know, it was like very quick turnover. You know, you'd like spend a few weeks in the gym, train, get stronger, get more technical, get better. And like just watching that process unfold so quickly was like a cool experience. And I think it was the first time I had like gotten to see my own effort transform into something. So it was like addicting for me. Oh, right. Yeah. Like you're the first time that you're seeing progress on your own uh, sort of merits. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the um, the community and, you know, I made some good friends pretty early on and I was like lucky enough to, um, y- you know, join the vertical world climbing team in Seattle, which is like one of the sickest programs, I think, in the country. And, you know, there's like good mentorship through there. And yeah, I've, I've made like my best friends through there. So it's cool. So what do you think special about that program? I mean, at the time, and, and I think now it's just like the family environment for sure. Um, we, uh, we were a family. It was cool. And just, just the mentorship aspects and, you know, having older kids that were like stronger and more experienced to look up to and, and then becoming that person for younger kids as I grew older. And it was cool and good training on top of that too. It was like good vibes. Right. Yeah. So did, I mean, this is sort of cliche, but it was it the kind of program that quote unquote kept you out of trouble. I mean, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Definitely. It was like, it was an investment, right? Like, it was, it was an investment. It was a lot of hours in the gym every week. So it would have been hard to, hard to get into too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I've sort of like kind of danced around this question with, with other people who were in kind of a similar thing of, you know, getting into it super young and then, you know, hours and hours in the gym. Um, has, has anything ever struck you as sort of negative in that, in that aspect or, or could you point to it sort of, as far as your experience always being positive, you know, it makes me wonder if like it ever got too intense for, for somebody at that age, or, you know, if it felt like it, you missed out on something else. I mean, for, for me, it was like definitely negative at times, but it's also all self-inflicted. So I, I only look at it as being a positive experience, right. you know? Like, well, what do you mean by negative at times? I don't know. There's, there's always been, at least for myself, like a certain side of like, neuroses almost to training and to like putting that much effort into it to one one singular task and uh you know it puts you in a weird headspace sometimes but it, it's also just been the most like positive influence on my life so right. it's, it's cool do you think that the vertical world program this program that you're in sort of had mechanisms to deal with that for you and for uh, kids that were like fully maybe going overboard and and what what were they like what do you think I mean, you know, even still, my my coach Tyson Cheney from from V Dub is like he was my coach and and then a mentor. And now he's like one of my best friends. We like talk on the phone all the time. So it's like I think just that community aspect and that family family aspect is like what was so cool about it for me because it was like there's always you know there's someone there for sure. So it was cool. Yeah, I think I think just having having the outlet and the fact that we were all climbers you know core climbers and like we're all trying to do do the same things for the same reasons it was like having that community was was like the coolest part about it when when did you start going to um overseas and stuff like that for for competitions 
Um, fifteen. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that was with the team. No, so so the way it works is you'll compete in the domestic competitions, and then if you're top four in the domestic competitions, you make the U.S. team, um, and then that U.S. team travels as a group to the international competitions. And okay. So when I was yeah, 15, I made my first Youth Worlds, and it was like a pretty yeah, pretty life-changing experience for me, for sure, because I just thought it was like the dopest thing ever. It was cool. Well, I mean, you had you traveled overseas before? Had you traveled Europe before? Yeah, that was it. So that was my first, um, you know, just my, my first way of experiencing travel, and, and it was cool, and it definitely stuck with me. Like, I just traveled with my grandpa, actually. He, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, just me and my, me and my grandpa went, went over for three weeks, and we hung out in Italy a little bit, hung out in Austria for a while. That's where the comp was, and just, like, cruised. It was sweet. Yeah, I mean, you said you use the word life changing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like get into it. Um, can you sort of expand on that? Like your typical, well, maybe a typical teenager, maybe not. I mean, not typical in the sense that you're, you're in this climbing climbing team. But talk about a little bit about like what that meant when you said it changed changed your life, if travel, the the competitions, things like that. I mean, it was just like from a from that point on, I knew that I kind of just thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know? Um, I thought travel was awesome, like experiencing new places. Um, but then just, just getting the opportunity to see, you know, the strongest, the strongest kids from all over the world, like going to one place just to compete together is like cool, you know? Um, and I, and I didn't see myself as being like, you know, super, super elite level at that point. Like I had had some success for sure, but like, you know, I looked at those top, top dudes and chicks and I was like, wow, like that's impressive. Like mm-hmm. that's some, yeah, those are some skills. So I think it just kind of gave me some perspective on what was out there. So how, what was your uh, like success rate early on in the world cup? Um, yeah, well, Damn. Yeah. My first, so my first one is kind of funny. I, uh, I actually competed just for speed climbing. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was like, happened to be kind of good at speed climbing. And it was the first year that they had the, um, the like official speed route. And so no one had really like trained on it. Right. right. And we, it was all new for all of us. And so ended up doing okay at, at the national and I got fourth and made the team and, I don't even I don't even think I was in the final for for lead. Um so I get this invite for speed only and it's not really my thing, right? Like I've been training lead lead climbing since I was super young, like that was what I was invested in, but I figured it was just going to be like a cool way to experience the competition. Sure. So I went for I'm like it. I'm going. I'll do speed whatever. <laughs> yeah. I get to go. Yeah, fuck it. I'm yeah, going. Right. Like, so so I went and um yeah, it didn't go well, <laughs> but, but I got to see, I got to see oh. sport climbing, you know, at, on that stage and got to experience it, experience it. It was cool. I, I'm trying to think like what my time was. Cause you know, like nowadays on that route, right? you're going like fast, like fast. If you're good, it's like five seconds, right? It's crazy. I think I was like, 
be like 14 seconds or right. something. <laughs> like, pretty slow, but whatever. So that was kind of the first year they standardized it, right? That, that route and stuff that yeah. I just found out about literally like last year as this whole olympic thing's been happening oh, and, shit, okay. and and like the layman has been finding out about this the layman american anyway and has been finding out about this speed climbing thing that i didn't really know anything about and the fact that i actually had always assumed it was just different routes and then this whole standardized route thing was that it's all the same hole too it's yeah like really weird as well yeah it's a whole other world man yeah, yeah. for sure for sure so talk about your returns as you uh, as you were able to get into these other categories. I hope. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, we're not like... sitting here talking about you as a speed climbing <laughs> yeah. like specialist. Yeah. No, that's my career, man. That's the legacy. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, that was just kind of like the catalyst at the time, right? Um, just to see that competition um, that gave me like the fire, kind of to to really push it the next year, and I ended up making the team for lead from then on to the end of my youth climbing career and and that's kind of what like really really got things going like my first first year for lead was yeah that following year we went to Singapore and I was just psyched to be there you know like that was enough for me but then I ended up being like pretty successful made it through made it through the semi-final and that was crazy and then and I'm making it through the final, and I was like, "Well, fuck, this is really a thing. Like, cool, I can do this." And I don't, God, I don't remember what place I got, but not not super high, but I was in the final. Like, that's all. That's all we really yeah, trying right, to do right, this right, for, right. you know? It's like right. that's the experience. So yeah, it was cool. So it's like a series of 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 kind of being rewarded with. Uh, it sounds like you've been surprised a little bit by like, oh, here I am. I'm 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 making it through these finals, or I'm really good at this, and. And that keeps spurring you on? Is that sort of like the way it's been working? Or was it more like self-conscious than that in terms uh, <laughs> of like a strategy? I don't know. At that time, there was very little expectation, I think. Sure. So it was just a surprise every time. I mean, I've, I, look, I've seen both paths. Yeah. You know, I've seen climbers, not just comp or whatever, who are like, you know, I'm going to be great. And this is going to happen to me. And this is the, how I'm going to do this. And then I've definitely seen the path of like, I really like doing this and I keep kind of winning and, you know, here I am again and here I am again. But at some point, I would assume, and maybe I, I'm assuming wrong, but I would assume that you did finally go like, oh, yeah, this is like, I need to like bear down and, and, and stop, stop just having a good time or just stop just like, you know, edging into the edge here so I can get to go to these things. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about any sort of transformation with that? No, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think I was, I was always kind of hammering. Like, yeah. I definitely put a, a pretty ridiculous number of hours in. I, like, you know, attribute my success now to those early years for sure. But at the time, it was all so new to me that um, it was just all for the experience. And it was, like, it was pretty easy and it was right. cool because like those expectations weren't there you know like i knew i'd put the work in and i knew i felt strong and um you know i knew that there's like a possibility to be successful but i wasn't necessarily like i'm gonna make the final and then you know i'm gonna podium or, or whatever it may be it was just like a cool cool potential outcome yeah but don't you, do you see what i'm talking about with um th there's some people who are like sitting in isolation who are like 
I'm going, I, I am going to win this. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, and, and, it's, and it's really like an approach and, and, you know, they, they quiet any sort of doubts and that's, that's their method. Um, it sounds like you have like a little bit different method than that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a tough thing to delve into because right. I have a, a lot of methods. I that's why and we're there's, here. There's buddy. just been, so, yeah. At the end of this, you're actually going to be a better climber <laughs> yeah, right. than before you sat in that chair. I'm going to listen in and be like, yes. whoa, oh. damn, there's some good bits in there. <laughs> damn. <laughs> that guy's smart. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no, like it's, it's really transformed from, from competition. Okay. Competition that's what I'm and, talking and about. From, you know, like as my career went on and as, as I started seeing more success, I think, you know, more expectations start started to come into it. And that's that's when the mentality actually, I think, really starts to get difficult because when it's all fresh, it's it's easy. You know, right. it's just like you're just excited to be there. And it's like kind of easy to perform in, in a sense because the pressure's off, you know, like just being there is enough. Once that's not enough anymore, like and the novelty of that wears off, I think that's when like it starts getting hard for sure. So... Yeah, I think I think those early years it was it was really just exciting to be there, and, and then you know a few years in I started to think, well, you know I could really be successful at this, and um, and that's when those like mental mental battles started to started to kind of come into it. But for me, like especially then too, it's just all about trusting the training and trusting the process, and you know knowing that I put the time in and. It shuffles out how it shuffles out. So so all sports and all sports psychology talks about this, what we're talking about. Like you can be on paper or whatever the strongest person alive, but there's this other half to it. Um, how much time do you think you spend or do you spend any time with mental training or do your coaches layer that on as well in terms of dealing with this this game that goes on inside of your head yeah it, it's been such a weird process for me personally because i've i've gone through like so many different phases and you know just waves of of how i feel about it but i, I think initially there wasn't really that much of a focus in right. some ways but I, I think i had less information so it was kind of easier for there to be a little bit less focus on it and you know now it's something that I, I think about quite a bit and I, I look at like the highest level and it requires just this like crazy amount of mental strength that it's like what makes the difference like especially this last season has it's been crazy like I'm looking at guys winning world cups and then the next comp getting you know 40th place or 30th place and not even making it out of the qualifier and the right. only difference is like that mental aspect or one boulder going bad or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, that, yeah, that's a, it's a funny process, man. I, I don't even, as you can tell, it's like hard for me to even talk about it. Kind right. Of in some ways. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, sorry. I probably like tell you there, there may be two outcomes. You'll either be a better climber or I'm going to completely fuck you. Yeah. Up. You're just going to mind gonna like, fuck yeah, me, man. You're gonna like, you're, it's going to take you six months to get over your normal yeah, cast interview. Right, dude. I'm just going to be recovering. Like, I'll be holed up in my apartment for the next six months. You won't hear from me. <laughs> Leaving me voicemails threatening me. Yeah. You yeah. ruined my career. Yeah. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Tyler just told me to do this interview and now I'm screwed. No, no I, I think what I will say is is early on, I um, 
it was a lot easier for me to just like put my trust in my coach actually. And I really just did whatever he told me to do because it just worked, you know, and I was less knowledgeable. And so it, it was like the easiest way to learn all those things. And then you like become a little more free thinking. You start having to like find your own way through it. And, and that's when it started to get interesting. You know, there's some comps that, I mean, this is fucked up, but I, rem- <laughs> I remember we had this one Pan American Championships when I was like 17, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's right before the final, like, I go up to my coach and I, t- <laughs> I just told him, I was like, I'm going to win this one. And he's like, dude, that's kind of fucked up. Like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, for sure. And then, like, sure enough. I won it and it was like I was so able to just be like wholly 100% confident Mm -hmm. and find success through through those means and then I look at you know another comp like just one year two years later I competed the lead national championships and I'm sitting in ISA before before the final and you know my coach happens to be in there with me and I'm telling him like dude I I have not felt this shitty in ages. Like every other training session for the last two months before this, I felt better. And he's like, no, it's, it's all in your head, man. It's all in your head. I'm like, it's not, dude. I don't know. Like, this is not good. It's not going. I'm not feeling it. And, and yet I was still able to like find, you know, success through like a totally different mental place. So it's right. like, it's a side of it that I, I haven't conquered by any means. Right. I'd right. love to. <laughs> I'm getting closer. Yeah, no, we're we have like uh, we have like a half hour left. We're we'll get there at okay. the end of this. All right, so just cool, just man. bear with me, dude. Cool, <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, let's switch, let's switch gears then and talk a little bit about outdoor climbing. The one thing uh, in my research, air quotes, podca- right. podcast air quotes, yeah, yeah. Um, three minutes was was realization, yeah, right, and re- repeating that. So let's talk a little bit about the, the inspiration to to put the time in on that route and, and what it took. Cause it, it sounds like that was a pretty successful foray into really hard rock climbing as well. Yeah. I mean, that so, was just always a dream route for me. Why is that? It's, it's just like legendary, you know, that footage of Chris on it way back in the day was just legendary. So it's funny that you say that. And I, I know it's true that, the footage of Chris Sharma way back in the day, but you have to, and, and, but it's, it's cool because he is, he is now this, this icon for this whole generation who are like your age, Yeah, you know, when yeah. of course in my climbing career, he was the kid, yeah. you know, he was the phenom kid that was like, where did he come from? Right. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, continue. It's just wild to hear like, Oh yeah. He's like this icon for these <laughs> guys who are like 20 and 25. Now yeah. Or yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got like, kids and stuff now yeah um, might as well give it up <laughs> it's over um <laughs> no I, I don't know i just i saw that footage and i've seen the route before and it was the Seyus was the first spot i spent a long time climbing at internationally and so it kind of just had this special place for me and it was like the route that I'd go and look at every day, but you know, I wasn't strong enough by any means. I didn't even try it. Cause it was like way before I, I was, I was there physically. Yeah. It was just mid world cup season. And, you know, me and my buddy were looking for, looking for a place to go climb for a week or two. Cause we had a little bit of time. 
We thought, shit, like, say use is close. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. So we made it happen. And uh, we spent, like, about two weeks out there and ended up doing it up. So it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's taken most of the, I think, all of the other people who have done it, a serious, you know, even multi-year projecting. I think like multiple trips. Yeah. And I, and I could, I'm, you know, sure. I don't know all the, the Europeans that have done it. How many people have done it? Should we look it up? It's like, uh, in my estimation, I mean, I don't know everybody who's done it, but at least the stuff that's been broadcast, it's taken people a long time to do that route. And, 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 and from its beginning, uh, I don't know if you know the history of its beginning, um, but the guy who bolted it, tried it over and over again piling the rocks up oh no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah. um actually didn't uh profit really i think profit bol- bolted it then i don't even know my history uh, shit i don't, I don't know either, though. <laughs> no i mean what does, I don't it say? Either, does it say are right, we gonna look up some stuff about biography it will get back to you yeah it's gonna be just sick Okay, so we're back. We have our biography slash realization history down. Jean Christophe Lafayette, Lafayette, Lafayette. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it has you pronounce the L's. Bolted the climb before he could do it. Was subsequently killed on Makalu in Nepal, and that's when it was kind of became this open project. Eventually, Arnaud Petit did the first ascent of the lower part. And I think Chris was the was the first free ascent of the extension, hence the renaming it to Realization. Yeah, which yeah. apparently isn't chill. It's not what you do. No. Yeah. Uh, the French don't call it Realization anymore. Yeah. You probably know that from being there. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I... It's biography. I don't even know what to call it, man. Right. I don't care, I guess. But. <laughs> you don't care. But you <laughs> had you ever tried it before you got on it, those two weeks? Yeah, I tried it for, for like two days. Okay. The year before that. Okay. Came back, and how long did it take you to do it then? Like six, seven days, something okay. like that. I mean, that still has to be one of the quickest turnarounds in yeah, terms of, there's, of there's getting been on some it. quick ones, because you got Magus, who just like shit smoked on it. it. Yeah, and then you have <laughs> Adam, who also just shit on it. But besides that, I, for the most part, it's taken people a little while, I think. <laughs> just, you know how many French people are going to be pissed about you saying people shit on biography? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't think I have a big listenership Sorry. over there. So Pooped on yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, did it, did you just be like, oh yeah, that's cool. I just ticked this thing or was it meaningful for you to, to send, what is it? 15 B? 15 A. 15 A. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it was super meaningful. It was weird. It was like one of the first times that I've stood underneath a rock climb and just like felt this presence. Mm-hmm. Like so many legendary people have climbed on that thing. And so just like standing underneath it and like looking up is like pretty crazy experience. Mm-hmm. And it was, for me, it was like the hardest part about sending it. It wasn't even physically being able to do it. It was like just adding myself to that group of people, I guess, or something like that. And I mean, it's like it was my first... 9A plus, so just the fact it was 
um, a first of the grade for me. And I skipped 9A too. So actually I jumped from AC plus to 9A plus. So it seemed like kind of ridiculous for a lot of reasons. Right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's like another theme, another part of the theme of like, well, I'll, I'll see what happens. I'll check this out. And then being successful, you know, it seems like it kind of works for you, this idea. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it has so far. <laughs> I'm, I'm still toying with it. But... If you run out of luck soon. Um, <laughs> has there been other climbs that have, uh, you know, have felt that way for you since? No, that's, yep. yeah, I'm looking for it actually still. Um, something that has that same importance for me because that was a cool experience for sure and like i was pretty elated to do it and it lasted a while for sure Uh, it was it was like trippy experience um you know you like finish the bulk of the the crux and then you have like another like 30 feet of head wall or something Mm -hmm. and it's like 12 plus climbing but it it was a weird weird 30 feet of climbing for sure it's just rattling you know so stressed like oh my god don't blow it now like that'd be so tragic (laughs) but it was cool like clipping the chains was super strange super strange it didn't feel real at the time you know yeah i mean it's as far as like sport climbs are concerned it's it's definitely like one of the more storied and 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 kind of has the weight of what you expect from like some of these you know the nose on el cap i mean someone's going to just like spit their beer out hearing me say that. But, you know, in terms of sport climbing, it's like that. It's got this just like this history that we just went through that's even deeper than you thought when you were there. Um, (laughs) And like, and uh, I mean, maybe that was, I mean, it's a revered climb. And I've always wondered though, when, when, when you're on a route like that, uh, I mean, Seus is in the season is a crowded cliff and there's lots of really good climbers. You know, it's like, you can be up there with, with some of the best in the world any any given season when it's good. Is it one of these things where people know that, you know, yeah, Sean's over there trying trying realization? I mean, does it come with, like, audiences and sort of like, oh, there he is, he's going to try it today, or I think he's going to do it today? Does that stuff go along with those routes? Because it, it never goes along with the routes I do. <laughs> you know, I'm mostly in the way of someone's warm-up. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> right. And any sort of audience is just people, like, tapping their foot, waiting for me to get down so they can warm up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, what, what's the scene like? Um, yeah, I mean, I did it in the summer, so it was pretty crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the day I did it was during the week. Right. So there's less people, which was cool. I think I perform a little better like that. Right. But yeah, I mean, sometimes there'd be. That's funny. A, a little comp bit of climber a crowd. is like, I don't like a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. No, I mean, I, I do, like, in some atmosphere. All right, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's a whole nother, like. <laughs> You're just giving me all these topics that I can't even fucking talk about. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so back to my questions. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a little less of a crowd. It was cool. It was like actually really empty when I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like just my friends were there. Did you really do cool. it? <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's footy of it. Okay. I got it. All right, cool. All right, all right, all right. I mean, it's not uncut of the whole thing, so I guess you don't really right. know. But um, wink. Right. <laughs> yeah, there there was definitely a crowd some days though, and it's that's always like a funny aspect of it. But but I get it. You know, when I whenever I'm at the crag and. I watched, you know, someone 
strong, trying something harder. Like, of course, I yeah, love to watch. Everyone should. does, you know. And especially Sayus, like like that crag. I think a lot of the people climb a little bit earlier in the day sometimes, and maybe not when the conditions are as good. Then all of a sudden it gets prime, and like a bunch of people are done climbing already, and just kind of like hanging out and hanging around. And so you're climbing, and they're just all like chilling. Yeah. So. It's interesting, but yeah, because that that cliff gets breezy, um, if I recall, um, that can help a lot. And then and then the sun moves the aspects uh, in terms of which walls you're climbing on which part of the day. It's one of my favorite crags just for the experience of of staying there. Um, you hang out at the campground all morning, just chill. You know, eat breakfast, eat a late breakfast, read a book. You know, fuck around, do whatever. It's and very European. Very European, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Have a baguette. Sounds more Spanish, though. Have a baguette or something. I don't know. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then you uh, start hiking up mid-afternoon, pretty late, in the sun. And it's hot, always. It's so hot. And that hike is a little heinous, but it's cool. It's just part of the experience, right? right. Like, you're just cruising. You get in your headspace, put your headphones in, and just hike. And then you get up to the top and chill in the sun for a little bit and all of a sudden the sun's back behind the wall it gets shady it gets breezy and then you're climbing till eight o'clock in the evening same thing every day it's awesome right. cool lifestyle so you know we were, we were talking earlier um about you know ha- these successes you had like in the comp world fed you like oh i can do this i'm i can i can make it here and oh look at that i'm, I'm doing well with this thing so anyway, you get these successes. Like, do you feel like you have a sense of your potential? I mean, have you have you begun to tap it? Do you think there's a, you know, what, what do you think the future holds in in terms of this hard art, outdoor climbing? I mean, now I'm starting to really get psyched on trying to maybe start pursuing my own vision a little bit, and I'd love to like bolt some things. Never like never bolted a route, so I feel like I got to do that sooner rather than later. Right. Um, but yeah, I'd love to love to put up my own vision a little bit and get some first ascents and yeah, just climb on like more quality stone. Have you have you got an idea of a of sort of a canvas on which to do this? Because it can be tricky, like finding something that's that's worthy and turns out to be hard and and all those sorts of things. Have you got an idea of that? No, I mean yeah, I've I've seen some pictures and I have some ideas, but you know I haven't. I don't know what the line is, what the line is going to be yet. So, yeah, part of the process. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear it because it's like if you really want to. I mean, repeating hard routes is great and fine, but like you know, we just went down the history of biography. It's like you're number thirteen. There's been sixteen. Like the the vision or the like the real impact has to be, I think, in in putting up something new that's difficult. Yeah, I mean, I figure. That's always what I have thought was cool, so mm-hmm. it's kind of why I want to do it, you know? I used to watch all the footage of, of all the first ascents from from the boys a few years ago, and it was, like, so cool. So that was just, like, I don't know. I've always had it in my head as that being, like, that's the pinnacle to me. You got any sort of mentor in that realm? I don't know. Like, not not, like, specifically a mentor, but recently I've been trying to climb with, like, as many of, as many of those guys as I can, like, I was lucky enough to climb with uh, D Woods a little bit the last few months, and Jimmy a little bit. And, yeah, just just trying to make 
make it happen and like see their vision and i mean they're so strong it's like crazy and they have like a process so it's really cool to like just get to witness right essentially. right all right let's bring it back around to to comp climbing um, full circle yeah well just because you know i just see like i, I asked you about like the split you know kind of split personality but also split time and uh you know we just talked about a, a person you know that wants to just fully get into you know new routing as you i'm sure know by now it's like that's like industrial work um it has nothing to do with training it has nothing to do with climbing actually until you get it get it sorted out and yet you're you're still in the comp scene you're still someone who wants to achieve in in both places and it's something that that i guess you need to reconcile at some point but um but where does like uh you know right now all the talk and competition world cups everything else is leading up to the olympics does that sort of fit in your purview this idea of 2020 olympics yeah this year the the main focus of the, of the comps for for most people i think is is the olympics or not most but a lot of people um so we're like seeing a lot of people doing it differently including myself like i started doing speed world cups which is like a totally new thing for me um you know i'm doing a lot of the boulder cups and a lot of the lead cups so i'm, I'm kind of like doing all the things that it takes to to make it to the olympics but it's so gnarly like the field is savage it's tough um it's like a pretty unrealistic goal in a lot of ways for everyone you know like even the strongest dudes like could not make it so the focus is there but i, I don't think it's like a hundred percent because i just i find that unrealistic and at the end of the day i just see it as another competition for the most part right like especially this year if if we've learned anything it's that on any given day like anything could happen you could you could win you could not make the final you could not make the semi-final it's just like so turbulent so i, I try to not put like too much weight on it right because i just don't feel like it it deserves it like in the sense that it's like point in history and gonna be like awesome to see and like progress for the sport and all these things it's dope but in terms of like purity of competition it's like kind of whatever to me right i mean is it it's is like a lot of at least north american climbers and european climbers frankly has the format like turned you off yeah i mean i, I know it turns me off for sure but but i i don't try to be too worried about it right um it was our only option. I so. mean, your your beginnings were in speed climbing. Like, yeah. You don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I got that part on lock. It's everything else that is hard for me. Um, yeah, I think people have mixed views. People definitely have mixed views. I think a lot of people don't like the format but are excited about it just for, you know, what it represents. And I think that, you know, I kind of fit into that boat where the format seems pretty far removed from climbing as, as I've ever known it. But it's also, you know, a good way to bring the sport to some people who would have never seen it. And it's happening one way or the other. So right, right. you're either going to be a part of it or not. Right. Yeah. How long do you sort of see your competition career lasting? Um, ha have, you, have you mapped it out at all? Or is it just something you'll keep doing while you're successful or while you're having fun? If you talk to my coach... He'd tell you how many times I've tried to quit on him. Um, <laughs> Should have had your coach on. 
Dude, it would have been way more entertaining, especially if he was sitting right there right. and I was also right here. It would have been awesome. Um, I am fucking addicted to it is the problem. Right. And I really enjoy it. And okay. there's aspects of it that I think are awesome. But also, So what's the problem? It's just, it's the time thing, right. you know? It's like you only have so much energy. Um, and yeah, I love climbing outside too. And I love pursuing that side of things. So yeah, just finding that balance is, is like been been the struggle you know so i've had phases where i was like i never want to compete again and then i realized that that was kind of bullshit and you know two weeks later i'm like training again right <laughs> for comps <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know it could it could be a while it probably will be a while right in some capacity i think i'm like i'm a competitor right at the end of the day and i enjoy competition it's always going to be there in, in some capacity but i don't know if i'll always be doing <clears throat> like the full World Cup circuit. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to guess something that your coach probably tells you. I mean, you know, competition climbing is starting to resemble other competitive sports. And, and one of the things that I've always commented on is how, talking to Will Gadd earlier, he was in the era where he was like an older climber. And when climbing competitions were 20-some-year-old people, and it was Chris Sharma as like a teenager that came in and started kicking their asses that, that heralded this like the young people are going to take over the sport just like gymnastics or whatever else. And so I feel like, like, you know, there is a window of opportunity to be a great competitive climber. And, and in my mind, you're like right in the middle of it. And there, the window to be a great outdoor climber, at least as proven by history, is is much wider in fact i think a lot of these guys get you know they get better a little bit later in their 20s when the experience and the fitness sort of come together um is that something that your coach tells you or am i way off base no i mean (laughs) or do you tell yourself no i mean i tell myself that probably but i mean yeah i've heard that from a few a few voices for sure yeah so get your act together man yeah get my act together i don't know (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying, man. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I think I've always like, I think been very passion based, and I'm always just trying to follow wherever like wherever I'm psyched. Um, and a lot of times I am really psyched on comps, and it's pretty easy for me to push it. And when I'm a little less psyched, I, I'm kind of okay with that too. <laughs> but isn't that discipline? I I think there's so like there's so many outlets. Like yeah. climbing's whatever you want it to be. Right. Like that's what's cool about it. It's not like I ever just stopped training, you know. The work's always going in, in one way or another. But the ways that it's released is is different, you know, depending on the year and depending on on where I'm at. So, yeah, I I was pretty full on in in the comps for like a lot of years, mm-hmm. and and then I took a year off, and then I was full on for for some time. And you know, that process I think has been has been um, healthy for sure. Right. Um, it's definitely important to have that that discipline, but I also think it's important to just follow the passion. Like we're all climbers, I, I think that's why we do it is the passion. And I see people who get burnt out just by overly disciplining themselves and pushing through, and maybe it wasn't the time for them. And people get burnt out for a long time that way, right? You know, years, forever, and years, and years. yeah, or forever, yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sure. common too. Yeah, and I'm not into that. Right. So I'm a lifelong climber for sure. So I think just like going through those waves of of the outlet changing a little bit is like it, it's just part of it for me. Coming back to actually the beginning of the interview, you're a professional now, 
Right. Right. And that is something that you've chosen. And I think a lot of people can think of sponsorship or whatever you want to call it, being a professional, professional climber as being very performance based. Mm-hmm. There's this image that like, you know, you got to keep posted numbers because that's what we're used to in, in most other sports. You know, there's this quantifiable way to see how good you are because it's, you know, every game is, is a test. If you can't perform, you're gone. I don't think that's the way it is in climbing, actually. Um, so I kind of as you're questing around for, for the outdoor stuff, for the competition stuff, as a, as a professional, what do you think you sort of bring to the table and, and, and why have you chosen this, this path of maybe uh, making this a career at least for a while? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think there's something to be said for just trying to articulate your vision to other people. And I think my goal as a professional is just to do that as authentically as I can and, and in the way that that I envisioned it years ago and, you know, I imagined what it meant to be. Um, and, and nowadays, I think part of that is just being, like, super honest about it, you know. And I try to really say how I feel about, about certain things and, and I think that's, like, that's the most most important thing and it's actually like something that I don't see that much like in a lot of climbers right now like I don't want to throw anyone under the bus per se but like I look at Instagram and like it's like the most watered down thing to me right now and it's like super noisy and there's like not really a lot of content a lot of the time and like I find that kind of frustrating because what I'm interested in when I follow somebody and you know when I'm interested in somebody's like what do you think about this like you know, what's your feelings? How did you feel at the time during a competition or, or on a route or like whatever it may be? And, you know, there's a few people who do, I think, a really good job of articulating that. But there's a lot of people who don't do that at all and, and really just use it as like an outlet to like get likes or whatever. And mm-hmm. I've always found that super frustrating. So I just try to be um, as unfiltered as possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the one of the big issues for me uh having been in this sport for a long time is the lack of detail too that are in in uh in social media and and so much of uh what's important about climbing is how we climbed something you know like sort of the details of how it got done that can be sort of glossed over in in social media a little bit and um yeah and and also yeah the lack of emotion or the lack of feeling that's in in these little hits, these little like pictures or, or, you know, three line, you know, quotations from somebody else, which is a real common thing for climbers to put in their social media, like, you know, some philosophical quotation from uh, literature or something like that. It doesn't tell me anything. You know what I mean? So, um, what do you think your vision for, you know, being a professional athlete, how do you think it'll end up being different than, than what you're talking about? Like, um, are you, are you thinking about different types of media? Are you thinking about, you know, being involved in a different way with your sponsors, things like that? I mean, lately the the biggest thing I've been thinking about is different forms of media. I think, I think Instagram is just totally burnt to me now (laughs) in a lot of ways, but it's also like so necessary and it's like how I receive a lot of my information. So I still use it. But yeah, trying to find new interesting ways to to release content that's 
I don't know, maybe a little more meaningful and it has a little more weight is cool. And, and I'm still kind of in that discovery process of figuring out how to do that. Um, and going back to comps versus climbing outdoors, like actually climbing outdoors is like way easier to create more meaningful content, I think, because comps is just, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's a tough scene to like create interesting content for. I don't want to watch it and I spend my whole life doing it, you know? <laughs> so, so that if that says, if that says anything, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the process for sure, I think. Um, yeah, I, w- I want to see writing come back and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do that for myself. I don't want to like write a whole bunch of stuff down and have nobody read it. So I don't really know the, the best way to venture into that, but you know, just, just finding creative ways to like release content, I think is going to be kind of like the future of, of being a professional athlete right now. Cause it's super watered down at the moment. Right. For sure. So you feeling good about, uh, the coming season? Yeah, I'm psyched, man. I'm super psyched. I've been training hard. Like the the bouldering season is slowly wrapping up. We got two more events, and then it's lead season, um, which has always kind of been my thing. And so now I'm just I'm in like go mode. I'm hammering in the gym as much as I can, and you know I have about two months left to train, and then it's just firing and, and seeing what happens at these events. So. I'm psyched for sure. All right, good luck, man. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Sean for sitting down, even if it was under the strong suggestion of my friend Tyler up at Black Diamond. I think we went some places, gave Sean some stuff to think about. He gave me some stuff to think about. And, uh, you know, it's like the new face of young climbers. It's a little bit different than I expected. And now I, for one, am really interested to watch Sean mature in his climbing. He's got so much potential, so much talent. You know, he could be uh, someone who really, really affects the sport in a big way. So we'll see what happens. And going and interviewing these comp climbers has been really interesting and educational for me. It's a little off-piste for the Enormacast, so I expect a lot of you long-time listeners have learned some stuff as well. Going into this world a bit more can't hurt to learn a little bit more. And maybe, just maybe, we're bringing some new listeners on from that world. So, long-time listeners, newbies, whatever. Remember, you can support the Enormacast by going to enormacast.com, clicking on the Help Out tab, and... uh, Put a little effort in to help promote this thing, including donating to the cause if you wish. Also, you can go to the shop and buy t-shirts and a koozie and some hats. And that's about it. And stickers, always free. Send your address to chris at enormacast.com. Cool. The darkness, yes, it's upon us. But that doesn't mean climbing season's over. And of course, for you masochistic ice climbers, it's just beginning. And remember, when you get out there, of course, you're going to check your knots. I like you, Betty. That's Denny, sir.
Danny. I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball.